0: Welcome to season two of Shock Your Potential. This podcast is designed to help you to achieve your best self professionally and personally. I am your host, Michael Sherlock. My guests bring a wealth of experience and their stories hold messages that transform me with every conversation. I seek out those whose businesses, lives and causes challenge me to be my best and hopefully they will impact you just as much. I'm an author and speaker on leadership, sales, and the customer experience. And I want to help you to shock your potential. Learn more today at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com. And now let's meet our next guest. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. Today, my guest is a retired Army colonel, and he has a book that we're going to talk about quite a bit. He also heads up a company called Investing in People, Consulting, and Coaching, and his name is Rob Campbell. So first of all, Rob, thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Michael. Great to be here. It is, and what we haven't said is that, uh, just to highlight your book a little bit, it's called It's Personal, Not Personnel, Leadership Lessons for the Battlefield in the Boardroom, which is fantastic, but not only can I not wait to hear more about your book, but I just want to be able to publicly say thank you so much for writing the foreword to my second edition of Tell Me More.
1: My pleasure. It's a great book.
0: Thank you. See, We get a pitch for both of us. You have... (laughs) You have a phenomenal history, and it's important that often that we highlight you know, the, the lessons that people that have spent time in the military, you, you gain different perspectives and you face different challenges than people do in corporate America, quote unquote. Um, all of them can be good, all of them can be bad, all of them can be challenging, but I think that it offers a really unique perspective on how to lead people from that environment and transition that into you know, non, non-military life. So, you know, will you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and and what made you really have the drive to write this book and tell this different kind of story?
1: Sure. I grew up in Massachusetts, born and raised, joined the Army way back when in 1990. Um, didn't really ever have plans on making it a career, but 27 years later, uh, there I was. It was just a uh, I think I found my calling uh, somewhat by accident, but that, you know, it was a great place where I could invest in people and give back to others and make a difference and and put my leadership uh, to work in, in a real organization, and really get tested and challenged in many ways. So I'm an infantry officer, Airborne Ranger, all that crazy stuff you hear about on TV and you know, all that stuff. And I commanded at several levels in the army. Uh, culminating, culminating at Brigade Command, which was 5,000 men and women in the 101st Airborne Division. That was really the hallmark assignment of my career, and I worked hard to get to that level, and um, had some great success there. Uh, Twenty-seven years rolled around, you know, family changes and grows, and so my wife and I decided it was time to move on a different path, and submitted my retirement, and uh, bought a house at the beach. and. Uh, didn't, I wasn't quite sure exactly what I was going to do. I started looking at the corporate uh, area, you know, kind of getting in, maybe getting in an organization and leading there. But I took some time off. I needed to decompress after a pretty crazy 27 years and three combat tours. And I always had a passion for writing. I wrote a few articles, did a few things. And I met somebody at a networking conference that had written a book and was really, you know, tenacious about how he got through it and, and you know, committed and doing it. I was like, I could do that. I've been surrounded by terrorists. I could write a book, you know. And so <laughs> I sat down and sketched out an outline uh, on something I'm passionate about, which is a very personal approach to leadership—getting to know people well and the things that I did in this brigade command uh, and the and the results that it had. I was really proud of that, and I wanted to share that with business leaders. So I took my writing um, passion and the story that I had to tell, built an outline. I said, okay, this is a book. This is a useful product of somebody, and it's going to give you a lot of fulfillment putting it together. And so I wrote it in two and a half months, actually, and, um, and got a product done and got it published and got it out there. And so in so doing, I decided, okay, what, what can I do with this other than enjoying the ride? You know i thought i'd uh, do some consulting and coaching and speaking and so i like doing that as well so i opened up my llc and uh and here we are today it's coming up on a year with a book it'll turn a year old in november and so uh that's kind of the rob campbell story
0: mm. it's a great story that is repeated often with speakers uh to have a book get into consulting get into speaking yeah One of- messages that you talk about that, uh, you know, watch some of the snippets on your website. And the first one really resonates with me because you talk about optimistic leadership. And I'm I'm this person who I I always try and find the positive spins. How can we look at the positive? Doesn't mean you ignore the negative, but leadership is such a challenging role no matter what. And there are people that rise in the ranks, whether through the military and leadership roles or in in business world through leadership roles, there are people that do it and seem to maintain that positivity, that optimism. And there are others that seem to just, carry a cloud around them, you know, like a pig pen on, on, sure. on, uh, you know, the, on peanuts, you know, that just watching the sense of, uh, of, you know, just overwhelming or Charlie Brown, not peanuts, um, this overwhelming sense of, of negativity. So, you know, what, what caused you to really grab hold of this concept of optimistic leadership and pull that through?
1: Well, I think yeah, a couple things. You know, I, I witnessed leaders above me in my early days in the army, and and you know, both the the ones that were positive and inspiring and optimistic, and the others that were really egotistical. And and I think ego feeds that kind of negativism and and, and complaining about things all the time. And you know, everything else around us and everything above us was all screwed up. It's a choice, Michael, and that's where I really boiled it down to. Uh, you know, you can approach things in one or two different ways. I don't think you're going to inspire and motivate drive anybody, which is really what you're trying to do in leadership is to get someone to do a task they may not be comfortable to do. So I brought it, I wanted to bring that string of optimism in and it's natural for me, I guess it's in my DNA that that and how I lead. And it's not about trying to, you know, find the positive in something that's really nasty and ugly. Sometimes it's just about being real about a situation, but and I think the other part of it is you've got to pull yourself out of the weeds sometimes. I did a, a quick video the other day about what elevation are you at as a leader. And if you're able to get up at a higher elevation away from your organization, you can really see the beauty and, and the goodness there. And then get back down into the weeds and communicate to that to your people. That's where optimism comes from. And I, I, I've always operated that way. And
0: I agree when you said that sometimes it doesn't mean that you're trying to paint a, a, you know, rosy picture that's not true, but I think that optimistic people in leadership roles will say, okay, look, this is a horrible situation. There's no doubt about it, but we're going to get through it. This is how we're going to get through it. This is how we're going to keep on track. And that can lead to such confidence with your team that you, they know you're not trying to BS them, but they also know okay, this person sees it clearly, but sees a way out onto the other side.
1: Right, yeah, this, this is a hard task, but there's no team better suited to take it on than us. And that to me is inspirational. Okay, I, I like what he's saying. I'm in, I'm gonna jump in and help and, and fix this. Right,
0: well the other thing that I heard you talking about is something that is very important to me too. And it's one, it's an area that with the people that I've led throughout my career, I've always tried to do this. I struggle with it at times when people don't see what you're trying to do, but the concept of investing in your people
1: yeah. and
0: investing means you have to have an emotional investment in it. You have to have a, a, a thought process with where you want them to go. You have to be honest with them. You, you know, you have to find a real path and, investing in your people is really important but boy it can tax you sometimes when you're also trying to run a, a large company
1: sure well you got you know it's a matter of priorities and um, as I stepped in and took uh, took command of my brigade the, of 5,000 people in the fall of 2013 there were a lot of unknowns and a lot of societal issues uh, and so I could just spin forever in terms of where we were going to go and what we were going to do but I just I knew that if I took care of my people and and made an investment in each of them, as many as I could, and invested in my leaders who can invest in them and it bleeded across the entire organization, that whatever mission came our way and whatever environment we were about to step into, people would rise to the occasion and carry the day. That I knew and and that I I saw in my career as a military, so that's where I placed my focus and emphasis. If it's a priority. You know that it all reflect on your calendar and, and how you schedule your day. And so a third of my calendar was dedicated to investing in people type activities. So it was not only a word; it was indeed. It's
0: so true. I I remember when I would have people that worked for me that would call, and the moment I'd answer the phone, they'd say, "I'm sorry, I know you're busy," <laughs> and. I, I kept uh, one of the things I would always say whenever somebody would say that eventually you know most people f- figured it out and didn't say that anymore but I'd say here's the thing if I picked up the phone I knew you were calling I can see your name there yep. I up the phone because I have time right now of course yep. I'm busy We're busy we're all busy don't right. apologize you need yep. me and I can be here right now great if not I will put that to voicemail and I will get back to you as soon as I can, which means at that point I have time for you and really understand that don't apologize for the fact that you are using me for what my role is and that is to be of service, to help and to, you know, to nurture or coach, whatever it is. And when I finally got the bulk of my team to understand that, I felt like I really reached a level of success.
1: Yeah. You know, it's a state of mind. I tell a lot of people about, you know, this investing in people and people-centric leadership. It, it, there are Certainly, there are things you can do, steps you can, you know, methodologies you can put into place, operating principles you can use. But to me, it's just, it's this level of consciousness that it's always people first. You know, I always told my subordinate leaders that, if they needed me and they, they called, I'd always make time for them because they were leaders. They were leading men and women in my organization. And that you know, if they needed something from me and I really didn't need them to wait, sure, there were times where I couldn't get to them. But if they called, then that became an instant priority. And it was kind of in my DNA. It was just automatic for me. I didn't think much about it. But it's a state of consciousness where you just keep that foremost in your mind. How does this affect my people? What am I doing to invest in my people? Who is this person in front of me? And 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 how can I get to know them better and help them be, you know, help them succeed.
0: Absolutely. So let me ask you, one of the, the elements I always like to to know of people, because you have your own business now, you you're speaking, you're consulting, you've written a book. So you could bring it from this realm that you've been in the last year or so, or you could take this example or this this story from your past. But I always like to ask people, what's the biggest challenge you've faced? building your business is how I usually reflect it and how did you overcome it or how are you trying to overcome it or what did you try that didn't work that sometimes those are just as interesting
1: yeah well you know the biggest challenge in building a business um, and especially in the environment that I'm in which is away from military bases that's in my past but I want to move more into the private sector because I know it could use a lot of help Uh, it's a two-way street The military use could use a lot of help from private organizations and, you know, it does reach out every now and then to, to gain, you know, the benefit of speaking of that. But on the flip side, businesses can help. Private organizations can help from what the military brings in terms of leadership. And so I knew that to be the case. But, you know, I knowing this doesn't help much. It doesn't mean they're going to start knocking on my door. So the biggest challenge, I think, for, for business, for me, was what well, was new. In the Army, I had an audience. I had a rank and I had a network, you know, a deep network in the Army that I could connect to immediately. Built over decades. In business, it was brand new. I'm Rob Campbell. I'm a colonel. I commanded a brigade. Really, that's great. What's a brigade? Is it like a fire department or something? <laughs> you know, so I, I really kind of had to overcome that, that leap of, hey, this is what I do, this is what this means. So, I, you know, crafting my message. And the way to overcome it um, was two things it was the network, because it's all about the network. And there's one thing I've learned in my transition, which I'm two years into now. It's all about the network. It's like connecting with you and having these kind of conversations and uh, where we may never do anything for each other. We know each other now and, you know, we we may be able to connect each other with other people, hugely powerful. And then perseverance, just staying on it and believing that what you provided, what I've written about in that book and what I can deliver to an organization is enormously powerful because I've seen the benefits of it firsthand and that's one of my challenges is trying to translate that to a business and Hey, listen, if you just do these simple things and I'm telling you, you will see the results because it takes a little longer in leadership. It's not like marketing or product development where you see instant results, you know, your, your, your profit changes or things that you see right away. Leadership takes a little longer, but the results are massive. And so persistence networking kind of staying on a message like that and getting out. And I'm, I'm proud to say at this point, I've really gotten a much bigger network and, I've known better, which is where I wanted to be, and I'm, I'm able to help a lot more people. So, but it's, it's a journey, and you know, you got to stay on it. And I'm not happy yet where I'm at that I've got people knocking my door down. So it's, it's a chase, but you just got to stay on it. Got to be persistent.
0: Absolutely. One step, one foot in front of the other.
1: Yes. absolutely. So, we're going
0: to take a quick, uh, quick break to hear from our sponsors, and we'll be right back to continue our conversation with Rob Campbell. Are you a fan of luxury handbags? Do you have one or more in your closet that need a new home? Then meet Rebag, the online luxury handbag authority that rethinks the role of luxury in the secondary market. Buy, sell, repeat. Rebag puts the seller first and caters to a growing segment of consumers who are looking at the ownership of luxury goods in a more sustainable way. How does it work? Simply submit pictures on the ReBag mobile app and receive a free quote in less than one business day. Or, if you're in New York City, drop by one of their stores and head straight to the ReBag bar. You'll get a quote on the spot. Use your prepaid label to ship your bag from anywhere in the U.S. Once ReBag receives the item, payment is issued instantly, which is an industry first, and customers receive their funds within one to two business days. To learn more, visit Rebag.com backslash sell backslash shockyourpotential or find our link on our website at shockyourpotentialpodcast.com. And thank you for continuing to join with us. And uh, Rob, you are sharing lessons I think that, that reflect all of us wherever we are in our careers and that's really persistence you know when you are going after something you've got to be able to break it down you got to take the forward steps nothing ever happens as fast as any of us want or sometimes right. they happen way faster than we want them yeah I love to focus on examples of excellence. So I ask all my guests, what uh, have, can you think of a time and experience that you've been the recipient of an excellent example of leadership, sales, or customer experience that shocked you positively and impacts the way you operate today?
1: Yeah, it goes back to uh, the summer of 2013 when I was preparing to take uh, charge of uh, 5,000 men and women in, a, in the biggest leadership uh, position of my life. And I was fortunate. I had some time to really think about uh, how I would apply all my leadership experience and what I had learned to that moment and put it into practice. And so I'm at a uh, preparatory course that the Army sent me to, and we're out one afternoon having beers with some friends and talking about leadership, you know, because we're all Army guys. And this one guy in the crowd uh, shared with me an approach he took with his team where he created a biography sketch of himself, of who he was, not his resume or, you know, where he had served before and what ribbons he had and qualifications, but who he was as a person, how he wanted to be be remembered after he was gone, what what he was strong at, what he was weak at, what his personality type indicator, all those things that really described him life crucibles that he had had. And, I, really, I was really taken by that, it's like that, and that to me was a wonderful example of transparency uh, in a leader, and I wanted that going into my organization. Here I was, a full army colonel with all the ribbons and the badges and all those, you know, the stuff, as if I was beamed down as this perfect being into this organization. <laughs> I was far from it, and my organization was dealing with a lot of different societal issues, suicides and bypass combat deaths. Um, there, there were lack of coping skills or resiliency issues, failed relationships, off duty conduct issues, lots of things happening. We didn't know what the future was going to be like. And we're talking about shutting down Afghanistan altogether. So a lot of angst and, and, and craziness. And uh, I wanted my team to see me as a real person first. It didn't diminish my leadership at all. I think it made it better because they saw, okay, this guy is, he's the real deal. And so I created a biography sketch. Spent a lot of time on it and went through that journey. I talk about it in chapter five of the book, and then I shared that with all 5,000 members of my team. But it was really when the light bulb went on for me—that shock effect you talk about—of, of, yeah, this is powerful. This is really when you talk about transparency, because I, you know, I could walk in. Hey, I'm Rob Campbell. and I'm a soldier like you, right? Okay, sure. Everybody says that, but this was a real document that really was the open door to Rob Campbell to show everybody that I was, you know, a real person like them. And frankly, I had a bunch of people that I was able to help because I had experienced what they were going through, you know, ahead of them. And that's the goal, you know, that's what I was trying to achieve, was that, that transparency.
0: That's really, it's, it's a powerful tool and I think that gets back into your concept of investing in your people by showing your own vulnerability, showing your own humanity, Those yep. those pieces that sometimes leaders try and hold very separate because they want to only have that picture, perfect vision of who they are, kind of our Instagram society today. And yet that's not reality.
1: No, it's not real. The first thing I would ask in a counseling session with one of my subordinates is tell me what your weaknesses are. And that's a scary question from the guy that could ruin your career. You know, nobody wants to expose where they're not strong. Um, but I wanted to build them. I wanted to help them improve personally and professionally. And I couldn't do that unless I knew where they were struggling. And this isn't things like I need to be able to run faster or I wish I was more organized or I could file my stuff better on Google or I could fire my weapon better. I can fix all those. Things. I can get you help in that area. What I want to know is what are your weaknesses? Well, Maybe you're impatient. Maybe your ego flares up. Maybe there's things that you know are faults of yours that are going to prevent you from getting to the next level. Let's work on that. But I had to start with myself to say, hey, these are my weaknesses. I've got a great sense of humor, but that doesn't always fit well in a very serious profession like the Army. But I use my sense of humor like a crutch when I'm not confident about something. I'll default to a sense of humor. And that's not a great you know, attribute to have as a leader. So I had to be conscious of it and aware of that so I could overcome it when, when I needed to. So that that's really where I wanted to, to, to get to is that transparency and sharing of myself so that I could help somebody improve. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And it's important because when you show it and you, you know, you're not only sharing that for the reason for, of transparency, but I think about what it also does to your own personal journey, your continued journey. Because yeah. the more... We're transparent with others the more we have to be transparent with ourselves Yeah, that how we keep evolving no matter what
1: yes absolutely
0: thank you that's a i love that that's a great uh, great insight so we're getting near the end and i always like to take this kind of a little bit with this is a good transition because i always think about reflection and the things that we learn through our struggles our careers our lives the good the bad the ugly and so I ask everybody if you could go back at any point in time and talk to the younger Rob. At what point in time in your life would you go back to him, and what would you say that would have shocked your own potential farther or faster, or kept you on exactly the same path that you were on?
1: Yeah, um, I would have grabbed the young Rob Campbell and said, uh, "Slow down, and um, and don't be so hot-headed. Uh, don't be quick to." You know, to get to get heated, because uh, you don't need to. You have rank on your side. And the position I was holding, that was all I needed. And I I know from reflecting my own experiences as a so subordinate, I never operated well under those that were somewhat oppressive, if you will, or toxic or uh were just never satisfied, um, just impatient. And so I would have grabbed the younger Rob campbell earlier and said, Hey man, grow up a bit, be more mature and put some of this patience and understanding and listen better in my early days. And I, I know I would have seen the results because I did later. And that's because that's the leader I evolved into. But you always want to go back and, you know, speed that process up, knowing all that, you know, now that's what I would have done.
0: It's, that's a interesting insight, too, because I think every single person has worked for a good boss and every single person has worked for at least one boss that was not great, yeah. that was that was angry that was short whatever every everybody's had at least one and what as you were talking I was thinking about how when you work in that environment it's easy to get yourself into a negative mindset because that creates its own kind of um, culture in your head and you know and we've all have to learn how to get along with that sometimes some are bad enough that you should leave but some are ones that you you got to suck it up like you know you're you're going to have a bad teacher and you're going to have a bad co-worker and you're going to have a bad relationship. And, and part of it is learning what to run from, what not to. And if it's something you need to stick out, how are you going to get yourself through it so that your mental faculties stay as positive and optimistic as possible?
1: Yeah, that's the, that's the leader dilemma right there, isn't it? I mean, it, you know, that, that's probably one of the harder things we deal with. The luxury that I had in the Army is that, you know, that leader was going to move on because we always changed out, it was a constant time of change. So, you know, you you could ride that out sometimes, well, private organizations, that's not always the case. You know, the rubric I always used was, you know, I, I may not see things the same as my boss and, you know, I may not always agree with the orders and the directives that he gives and how he runs his organization or her organization. but you know here's the here's my battery of questions is it illegal immoral or fattening and if it's none of those um then i probably need to follow and and get it done and you know if this guy is or gal is 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 toxic then there certainly is a threshold there where i've got to report that to somebody and bring that to a halt because he or she is having that impact on on the whole organization or it's not to the level that it's just crushing everybody, but I need to be the the kind of the beacon, the shining light in the organization to shield people from that as best I can. Which is where optimistic comes, optimistic leadership comes. Hey, come here, young man, let me let me let me help you out or a young lady, let, let me let me let me help you out from this bigger boss that's kind of coming down on us. You're doing great. I've got confidence in you. I'll take the beating on this one, give it to me and I'll take it to those kind of things. It's it's the leader level because we always have those. In our lives, and and I just you know I hate to see people that just kind of swallow that and and sit there and just take it. Uh, You know I just always I live by the philosophy now that I just won't I won't let I won't be part of an organization that's a breakdown of character and in code and values and things that I subscribe to. Just won't let it happen. I'd rather live in a trailer and eat peanut butter jelly sandwiches, you know, and and be content, happy than to to be in a toxic environment.
0: I agree without a doubt. We'll have all your contact information on the show notes. Um, what's the best way you want people to be able to reach you?
1: Well, I'm in, um, certainly on my website, robcampbellleadership.com. So Rob Campbell Leadership, three L's. And uh, it's a great way. It's got all my contact info on there. I'm I'm very big on LinkedIn. I've got a big following. It's a good space for me in terms of what I do. So it's, if you look up Rob Campbell Leadership, you'll find me on LinkedIn. I've, I've got a big following and uh, you'll see the book. It's personal, not personnel. So Those are great ways to find me. I'd say the website's probably the best. And, um, you know, message me, get me on Facebook, reach out. There's lots of different ways to hunt down Rob Campbell.
0: (laughs) Excellent. Your book is It's Personal, Not Personnel, Leadership Lessons for the Battlefield and the Boardroom. And um, as we wrap up, it's been just an absolute pleasure. Do you have any last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners?
1: Sure. I I think... um, you know, invest in your people, connect with your people in personal ways. And you know, in the book I, I, I really lay it out thick and I and I say in there, you know, if you want to take what I subscribe, you know, or what I what I offer in this book and eat the whole enchilada, you'll see the results in your organization. Or if you just want to take a small bite, you know, and go into your organization tomorrow and make a difference in the life of somebody around you, you'll see you you'll see the profound difference. It's the shock effect, you know. If I just sat down with you, Michael, and asked you more pointed questions about you and your life and what your personal and professional goals were. I think, unfortunately, that's, the, that's not the norm in organizations. And so, uh, go in tomorrow and do that. Give it a shot and, and see what happens and you'll, you'll really see the results, positive results, of, of that kind of personal leadership approach. Yep. Machines and websites and things have troubleshooting guides. People are different. You really got to sit down and have a conversation and determine what that is. And you're right. It may be just something simple as listening that makes a huge difference. uh,
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Rob, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure having you on today.
1: Thank you, Michael.
0: I look forward to staying in touch. Have a great day. You too. Thank you for joining me on another episode of Shock Your Potential. My book, Tell Me More, How to Ask the Right Questions and Get the Most Out of Your Employees, is available on Amazon and through my website. And look for my second book later this year, Sales Mixology, Why the Most Potent Sales and Customer Experiences Follow a Recipe for Success. Learn more today at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com. And don't forget, shock your own potential today I'm excited to announce that the second edition of my book Tell Me More How to Ask the Right Questions and Get the Most Out of Your Employees is now available on Amazon To get a sneak preview and the first 10 pages of the book text the words tell me more to 72000 that's 72000 and the words tell me more